Hello and welcome to the How The Fuck podcast. I'm Ben Goody and today I'm interviewing Nadja Koja, the Chief Growth Officer of Vengage. Nadja joined Vengage when they were a small team of four with just 20,000 organic visitors a month and five years later they're a team of 50 with 1.5 million visitors driving 150,000 product signups every single month. We deep dive how they achieve this success, looking at tapping into trending topics to create content that goes viral, how to get high quality backlinks that build your site's authority, incorporating journalists into your campaign strategy and ranking for content that converts versus branded keywords. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm sending out a summarized playbook to everyone who subscribes to the email list. So if you want that, please join us. I think a good question to start with really is just what does Vengage do? Why did you join them? I noticed you've been there for five years. So what's made you stick around? Yeah, Vengage is a visual communication tool, uh, template base that's typically used for training and development purposes. A lot of our users range between management to like marketers who are trying to create different types of visual communication to better engage not only their teams or let's say like you have this kind of complex strategy that you need to get everyone aligned with and on board they'll use our product to create these like visual mind maps more engaging types of content and so that's typically what we do it's template-based product to make infographics and presentations reports that kind of thing I joined in 2015 and the reason I did was I actually was doing my master's at the time and I noticed that their office was up the street so I was like well that's convenient (laughs) and um (laughs) And at the time, Vengage was in a co-working space. I was the fourth person at the company, so pretty small startup. And I actually didn't really know anything about marketing. I was just looking for a job out of school. And then I think four months after I applied and forgotten about it, the CEO emailed me and was like, oh, are you still looking for a job? And I was like, yep. And went in for an interview, more of a conversation than an interview. He was like, what do you know about marketing? And I'm like, I'm going to be honest, I don't know anything. Like, he just like, went through my own experience. I think previous to that, I had been in South Africa visiting some family and I got robbed by the cops like on the first day that I was there. And I was, it was like the first day of a six week trip where I was going to like a bunch of different countries after. Uh, And I didn't have a credit card at the time. I was pretty young. They basically stole all my cash for the whole trip. And I ended up creating like a GoFundMe campaign and a video where I filmed inside the police department in South Africa showing them how like useless the system was and it ended up doing really well and I made up I made my money back from that campaign in two days so I was like I think I told him that story and he was just like oh okay so you do know how to do marketing and I was like yes Uh, and then I think on my first week I googled what is SEO and that's how (laughs) um, it all started so school of google is my teacher (laughs) wow and now you're chief growth officer that's quite a rapid rise to the top So when you first joined Vengage, what was it like? Was it poised for growth? So it was not doing badly. When I got there was still like enough traction, like it it was a company. They had pivoted a few times. So initially Vengage was a social analytics tool that was like predominantly enterprise. Then they went into kind of like this team collaboration, infographic maker. By the time I got there, it was an infographic maker. There were maybe 40 templates on a single static page and then the homepage and that was about it. And they're like a couple blog posts. But a lot of the traffic, like I think if you Googled like infographic or something we were like number six or something on the first page we weren't driving too much traffic I think something like 20,000 sessions a month so it wasn't bad there was some traction but then when I joined Eugene the CEO was just like get backlinks 
because SEO mm -hmm. seems to be working for us. Yeah, just go get backlinks. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. I'll figure out what that means and how to do that. Mm -hmm. I literally started messaging friends just saying, can you have a website? Can you put a link on your website yeah. for me? Just so okay. I could show that I was doing something. Before we, I know you have a really crazy story about getting backlinks and your strategy is incredible. So before we dive into that, I want to go back just a little bit and ask you, if you could go back to five years ago when you first joined Vengage with all the knowledge that you've got now, what would you first start by doing? What would you tell others in an early stage startup to start by doing? Oh, definitely getting a better understanding of positioning the product for the right audience and probably like a lot more to do with team plans and team-based plans. We did have some team functionality early on. It was really different from what it is now, but I probably we probably would have made a lot of decisions much faster because of what I know now and just like the strategy and like how to approach different types of growth strategies with organic traffic because I think it's a double-edged sword when it comes to SEO, uh, especially if you are trying to move into like a upmarket B2B company. Um, SEO I think is a like for high volumes of traffic, predominantly beneficial to B2C companies. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I've had this in a company I've worked in, just like loads of visitors, but not really the right ones or not really helpful to your business. Yeah. So the, the problem that we face now is a churn problem, right? Where we have a lot of low quality traffic coming in. So that's part of our strategy moving forward of shifting the way that we're driving our organic traffic, which terms we're targeting, what types of messaging we're using to try to appeal to the right user. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's interesting. I think, but I think being in that position, at least you have data to work with where I am right yeah. now, company, no one was doing SEO or anything. So when I've joined four months ago or something, and I think we, we get like 1,500 visitors a month. And it's really yeah. hard to even know if a change makes a difference. Yeah, that's a that's a good point because we have so much traffic and so much data that we're driving about a hundred, almost one hundred fifty thousand signups a week. Like we can see the benefit even for our core users. Like it's around six to eight thousand a week of just core leads, right? Like qualified leads. Which considering B two B companies, they're like we get ten leads a month. Okay, <laughs> at least we have a really good backlog of people that could convert. But the benefit was like it allowed us to grow faster and have enough revenue to actually reinvest in making the right decisions, hiring better people and that kind of thing. So they're like, as I said, double-edged sword, there's a lot of benefits and there's a lot of things that maybe we could have mm -hmm. done differently. So how many organic visitors are you getting a month? We're doing about 1.5 million a month globally. Oh, wow. Crazy. Okay. So in the last two years, you must have grown quite significantly. What has been your secret to getting that much traffic? Yeah, so we have uh, that's a 1.5 million is about our is our global traffic. So the benefit of being a SaaS company, obviously, is that we can just acquire traffic from all over the world. And it's not we don't have to be localized and targeted. But we started. So like I said, when, when I started, Eugene was like, go get backlinks. And I was like, okay, I'll figure out what that was. The benefit was we had we only had two pages. So I was able to test if whatever I was doing was actually working because I only had to work with two pages. We didn't have there wasn't like a whole backlog of content and pages like I wasn't going into an established company that's here's a thousand pages that we have that you have to go and optimize I just had to get links on two pages and the first one was easy I'm like okay well by easy now looking back it was relatively simple but at the time it was really difficult for me but we were like I said six on uh, ranking six for infographic maker for the homepage and so my main goal was he was just like let's try to rank for the terms infographic and infographic maker I didn't even do much of the keyword research at that time he basically 
basically was just like, just go for this term because that's what we are and that's what we want to rank for. So I was like, okay. So then a lot of what I did was just start to find, look for opportunities. And at this point, I didn't even use Ahrefs or SEMrush or any types of tools like that. I think we had Moz at its like core functions. We were using Moz a lot and I was just seeing what would what was ranking for those keywords obviously we had a bunch of competitors like PictoChart was a, our biggest competitor then they were about five times the size of us i think we're now double their size and canva of course is the giant in player in the field but they were targeting more of like the graphic design focused keywords so what I did was I'm like who's doing really well and I reverse engineered what they were doing so I looked into some of our competitors to see how how were they targeting their pages how were the pages structured types of language were they using where were they getting their backlinks from and so I would see like on the Moz updates, every like 400 mentions a day were coming to Canva and I would start looking at who was mentioning them and what sites they were writing for and where it was coming from. And we ended up hiring like an agency, you know, one of those agencies that will get you backlink placements on a bunch of sites. So we were like, whatever, let's just try one of these sites. And I think they were relatively small, but they were getting us a few and it wasn't like, it wasn't very frequent and it wasn't a lot of backlinks or good quality necessarily. But I remember just asking, being like, do you have a list of all the places that you guys write for? And he was just like, yep. And sends me like a list of a hundred sites and great. I'm going to go write for them. I don't need you anymore. I don't know why they gave us the whole list of qualified places that accept guest posts. But then I started doing that and I started trying to build up influence a little bit because one of the things I noticed was when we were going to conferences and like a lot of the people that were speaking there and writing content, those are the people that were getting reached out to, to contribute to things like expert roundups or all of these like listicle type articles providing tips. So I was just like, if I can have enough of a following, then people will just reach out to me and I I just will generate backlinks without having to go and reach out to other people. And if I reach out to them and I have some name to some credibility behind my name, then maybe they'll be more willing to say yes. Because initially when I was reaching out to people, nobody knew who I was and they didn't want to help me. And they're like, you don't know anything about marketing. Obviously pitching a guest post as like my first marketing job on the first week was not leading anything. So I just started like reading a lot and trying to make connections. And I started with like really low tier websites and trying to push out content on Vengage as well. And then eventually like the, the ball started to roll a little bit better and we started to find our secret sauce. The initial thing that really got us to do well was creating what we refer to as viral content. And this was like our version of original research-based content. Being an infographic tool, we were able to put together some really interesting visuals as long as we had a cool angle on the data. So we started doing- You would take like other people's research and spin it into better infographic or something like that? Yeah, exactly. So what we would do is we'd use sites like Pew Research Center and we would find like different types of data. We would cross-reference them and then we would do our own research eventually. So as we started hiring more people and we started growing that process and growing the team out a bit, we would create what we called like controversial content that would get people talking. Uh, and for us, it, it wasn't even if people were angry, that was a good sign of care because then if somebody's angry, somebody else is really happy about it usually. So it would create like these conversations online and we would start getting a lot of backlinks from good organized, like good journalist sites, news sites, that kind of thing. And for us, that was more beneficial because it would increase our website's credibility. Better sites talking about us just increased our, it was like one backlink was worth 20 backlinks. So that was the, the goal that we had 
even sorry i'll just say what was the kind of what's an example of a piece of content and were you like pushing it out to journalists saying you want to use this or you're hoping they found it yeah so we would be pitching them and it was all like part of a campaign strategy we we would find we would start by understanding what was like trending conversations and ryan who's now runs our social media he was he has like a particular knack for kind of pinpointing trending topics and just because he, he reads a lot uh, on the news he's constantly on social media so he just like always is talking about different trends and so one of them he used to just come up with these ideas and one of them was uh, i remember about hashtags on Twitter. And he was just like, what if we we created this angle of are hashtags useless for marketing? And he put this report together where we like scraped all these different hashtags to compare what the performance was, what the impression rates were based on like hashtag uses, usage versus not using them and like all of this stuff. And we ended up posting this on like inbound.org back in the day. And it, it got, it went pretty viral and marketers were really upset that we were saying that obviously. And then I think the Dharmesh Shah from HubSpot ended up like sharing it on his Twitter and LinkedIn. And so then like a bunch of other marketers got on the bandwagon and started sharing it. So that was like an example of one that was a little bit more focused. And then we did other ones that were pop culture themes combined with some aspect of business. And so we would put, we did another one where we sorted a bunch of different tech companies into their Hogwarts houses based on company culture. And we had a quiz that we put together and we used that as like the checklist to validate whether or not they would be in that house. And, and then we shared that the good, the virality there was that I was able to share it with companies internally, and then they would skyrocket it if it was a big company. So if we put HubSpot on the list, I would go to my contact at HubSpot and say, hey, we included you in this fun thing. And they're like, oh, this is cute. And they would share it to their team and then it spread that way. So different weight rates of virality, whether it was like through internal companies or from journalists themselves pitched. And for the journalists, typically what we would do is we would now, we, what we would do is look at what they were already writing about and seeing if, if there would be some interest. And then before we even put anything together, we would reach out initially and say, hey, we're working on this thing. Would you guys be interested in seeing something like this? And then we can put it together. And then we would usually give them like the exclusive where we would say, we'll send it to you before we send it to our mailing list of about a million people. And so they're like, okay, awesome. And so they had the control of where to put it. We did that with, with our Game of Thrones, like map of betrayal. So we looked manually, one of our designers looked through every season of Game of Thrones and mapped out exactly when somebody was betrayed by somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then we created this like mind map of the whole thing. And we were able to republish that every season that it came out and repitch it and then get a lot more traction. And George Takei ended up sharing that one. And yeah. and that went, that crashed our site from too much traffic. So we had to update our servers. This is so good. That's one of the great things about being like sort of B2C or like being able to resonate with a lot of consumers. I'm trying to yeah. think what we could do, but the virality would be slightly limited. I think it works with B2B too. It just depends on where you're trying to be seen and who that niche market is, because there are some pretty strong, sorry, some pretty strong niche like interest groups that only appeal to one audience versus another. Let's say you're trying to target startup founders and there's a lot of different types of interests that you can go look at like the four hour work week, right? Like that in itself is a viral concept that's very targeted, but is it useful? Who cares? It, it still targets what startup founders are constantly talking about. I remember, and also I think the idea with virality is that it's more for brand recognition than it is for, for necessarily direct, like direct buy. And that was the thought process 
that we had, we knew that it wouldn't necessarily get us like the qualified traffic, but the goal wasn't qualified traffic. The goal was let's try to get good quality links so that we can have a higher authority so that when we do push out that good quality content, it naturally ranks higher or people will recognize us as an infographic tool and will actually know our name when they see it because they've seen it in New York Times, Wall Street Journal and all that. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Because that's what I was going to ask. Was the purpose the link building or was it like the brand recognition? But yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of both. It, it was the authority, authority links that we we were trying to build because a lot of I think a lot of SEOs think that it's about quantity of links it's really not it's it has nothing to I don't think it has anything to do with quantity we were able to get I remember we got one backlink to our like infographic template page and if you I'm sure if you do like a backlink scrape on us versus some of our competitors they have like thousands more links than we do but we just have very specified like good quality links that go right that are positioned properly in the page and that makes sense that drive some referral traffic there's a lot of little pieces that will take into account. What makes a quality link then? A good website. If Now, if another website is driving significant traffic to that page and a lot of people are sharing and talking about it. So let's say uh, New York Times mentions us as a tool but that's worth using. And then they also include some examples of other content on our site. And that article gets a lot of shares and a lot of people are reading it. And then that generates clickbacks to our site. That's a good quality link because it has, it's not an embedded link. It's an actual contextual link. It looks organic and it's on a good domain and people are actually coming from that site. Google's going to place a lot more value on that link than somebody else's link on whatever.ca. So it's not just about look like the, the quality of the website. Like I said, I know something like TechCrunch or New York, New York Times have like very high authority, but it's also like the context that it's within and Google can tell. That. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can have, I think it depends on the writer and how it's featured. So for us, like the viral links where it was like a featured trending topic, we knew that those journalists were going to share that content and they were going to promote it heavily. So Game of Thrones, everyone was talking about it. Obviously, they wanted to pick up on something that was trendy. And if they were really interested in it, that was a good sign for us. And what we would do is we would pitch like 10, 20 different journalist sites. And also, like, we're on a good site. It creates this ripple effect of everyone else talking about it because they just have the audience. We would pitch like Mashable, Elite Daily, like all these other sites. And then they would say, oh, is it an exclusive? And I I would just say, we're not sending it to our audience. But we were planning on like emailing it out tomorrow. So if you can get it up before then and give me a specific date where you're going to publish it then that way we get like the urgency they kind of work with us so then we'd have 10 different sites publishing this and then other sites would see it they would pick up on it and they would publish it and then it would just like create this viral loop that's great it's because it's hard it's hard enough to get journalists to, to publish what you want but if you actually got them like fighting over your content it's a good yeah. position and that's also the difference between just getting a backlink place versus the whole thing is featured about us. It's not, it's more of a PR approach than an SEO approach. Yeah, for sure. What about the link? Was the link, would you try to get it to the content on your website? Would you try to build your homepage up? we would just promote the the content. Sometimes we would ask them to just like reference that we were the site that did it. We didn't have too much control over that, but it didn't really matter. It was all coming to the same domain anyway. Mm -hmm. We figured that they would be linking to the content, but sometimes they would like just say Vengage created this and then they would link to the infographic and then they were embedded or something. I want to see an example of one of these infographics. They must be quite impressive. Yeah, I think if you just Google Game of Thrones infographic, you'll probably find it. So I think we're like the third one now. So you would then send this out to a journalist and be like, hey, we've just 
done this. Yeah, we would start by saying, are you interested in seeing this thing that we did? If they replied to us, we knew we had an in. So then it was like, we just wanted to start the conversation. Typically when somebody just replies, when you validate that it's the right person that you're reaching out to. And and then it just shows some interest. So then we would send it to them. We wouldn't send it up front most of the time, depending on when it was created. I ended up becoming like friends with a journalist who was, who worked at, a pretty popular site. It was like a BuzzFeed site. And so I started reaching out to him a lot and being like, would you publish this realistically if I did this idea? And he would just tell me straight up, I'll just pitch it now and see what people say. And if we get a yes, then I'm like, great, we already have something validated. And, or he would just be like, I yeah, just send it like, all right, I'll put it on. And so that was like a good friendship to have at that yeah. time. Would it always work? We've had some pretty big flops, but like <laughs> for the most part, the, the ones that did work, worked really well. I think it's interesting because I think you're, you're right. Like you have those people who go around like I get messaged by them on Slack on some of the groups I'm in like oh do you, do you want to put this in your content this link and I'll give you one back but like, that can't be the most efficient way like the most efficient way is to like what you said just create some viral content that everyone wants to link to yeah and it depends on the goal right there's obviously different now, if we were targeting a very specific intent-based keyword, it's going to be much more difficult for us to do it that way because no one's, people may not link to it. We've used other methods like uh, what we refer to as our guestographic process where we'll pitch a site and say, we'll take your content and make it an infographic. All you need to do is say that you worked with us and then we'll guide what wording we want in the as like an anchor. For them, there's no harm. They get the content and we get like the properly secured anchor text yeah. link it's great because you, you actually are an infographic maker you sort of have a ready-made piece of content to get out there as well yeah we make like custom original infographics but it doesn't take long because we use our own product right we'll just use yeah. a template we can click through a few things and within 20 minutes we have a piece of content so the cost is much more efficient like it takes it's so much faster for me to do that than write a blog a guest post what do you think people's priorities should be getting links to their homepage or very specific intent keywords or just getting your overall domain authority up like just like in this kind of branded keyword sense yeah we, we did a little bit of both for us like at that time we were targeting very like one very specific keyword we were like we just want to rank for infographic and so it was very easy for us to and because we were creating infographics when people talked about us they were using the word infographic so to google it it worked because the authority was all about was all about infographics so when we started going into mind maps and building out mind map templates and all that kind of stuff we could create viral mind maps and do the exact same thing and so we were so it was a yeah it was a little bit of both where where we created the content with the idea in mind of what we wanted to be known for. The same process could work for any, like you could use, typically you could use infographics to do the same thing. Now let's say all, let's say I'm like a Facebook app, right? Uh, like a, let's, I don't know, use uh, Larry Kim's tool, Facebook chat messenger. You could create an infographic about all the chat tools out there or all the tips and, and the flow chart of how to, the perfect chatbot process and how to use that in your marketing. You're still, yeah, it's an infographic, but you're still going to be recognized for that terminology, especially if it gets picked up by good sites. I think yeah. it's just a matter of like good creating quality content that people want to engage with. And there's so many boring blog posts on the internet now that we actually did a study where we, we looked, we compared articles and content that had predominantly heavy visuals, like in the article versus ones that were more text heavy and more like of a narrative to see which ones had like better time on page in general and better, like better on-page metrics.
metrics overall. And the articles with more visuals, I think the ratio was like 150 words. Every 150 words we broke it up with, a, with an image had much higher engagement and much higher time on page, despite the fact that no one was actually reading it. They were just skimming it, but at least they were spending time looking at the images versus yeah. a text heavy article where if you don't read it, you're not going to stay on the page. And so that was something we noticed with our own content, which is why we use like a lot of images in our content and it's improved our overall time on page drastically because people don't actually want to read anything. They just want yeah. to look at images. When I've made like SEO kind of targeted content, they do say the best practice is to get as many words as you can. For the bots, but then we've seen the opposite. Yeah, that's funny. Google also will measure time on page, won't they? So that matters as well, even mm -hmm. if it's like a short blog. Yeah, the longer somebody spends on the page or the higher the click-through rate is, that's also going to be a big indicator that it's a more, uh, more engaging piece of content. So what was your strategy? behind ranking for words like infographic which are not really intent-based searches infographic for us is so the goal for us is we want to be recognized for that tool for that term like when people think infographic we wanted them to think that engage and so having a lot of long tail presence for, for a variety of different terms was a goal and I think now if you search most things infographic related you'll probably find us like on the first page and so then we started to just build out the different types of templates and offerings that we had to cater to different use cases and different audiences because infographic graphic is that it's still a relatively niche word. So we started building out like flyers, posters, and mind maps, brochures, like all of these other types of white papers, reports. I think reports is a pretty big one for us too, just because we have the, the charting functionality. So you would not just target the word infographic, but you'd go for all of the like long tail. Like words. what is an infographic? Infographic templates, how to make an infographic, yeah. <laughs> like all of those types of terms. And I think our video searches for infographic templates or types of infographics are also pretty high because we started building them out into to create YouTube videos, but basically repurposing whatever was working a lot of times so that we had all the different types of content for one term. So you see, so, so that was, that's the kind of like then your branded content, what you want to appear for when people search that. So how would you go after the more like intent based? Like how would you get backlinks for a very long tail, like really low volume search? If it's really low volume, we wouldn't, we would just try to optimize the article. Typically with like low volume, very long tail keywords, we would just include them in an article and then eventually rank for it. That's where you get the long tail keywords. However, we did reformat our template page to target very long tail keywords. So now if you search for, I think, I don't know, Airbnb, if you search actually Airbnb pitch deck template, you'll probably find us because we have an example of an Airbnb pitch deck template that was meant to be a long tail keyword. Now, is that related to us? No, but that's like a much longer tail keyword that's hey, going to attract founders or more of the like techie startup people that are probably looking to create that. Do you think if you say for an example, like people are going to be linking to that and that brings you some domain authority? They're not, they're, that, the long tail keywords, we're not necessarily looking for links to just because it's easier to rank on long tail keywords since no one's really going after them anyway. Most of the time you just group that into an article. We, we don't spend too much time focusing on all of those we look at more of an article like we'll start at the page at a page specific level to see okay are we acquiring is the conversion rate the same on this page then as it was like last month and if it goes up or down then we will dig deeper into understanding why did we move up or down on various keywords that maybe were driving more more engagement for us previously and then that's where we'll start to think about it but right off the bat we don't like necessarily monitor every single long tail keyword because yeah. that's too much 
So I think we all know that writing an article and planning and strategizing is a, an important part of the work, but one massive part that a lot of people forget to do is the promotion. So what is your sort of promotion cycle? It, it's now, I don't really monitor that as much anymore, but basically the team, there's a content team that we have that they create content, but they're also doing like the outreach. So the uh, our content manager, Sarah, she'll basically prioritize pages every single week and say, okay, these are the ones to double down on because she'll be monitoring like the high level metrics or someone on her team will be measuring the high level metrics. And then, and then it will be up to those people to go back and figure out why it's dropping or why it's not driving traffic. But yeah, typically the goal is to try to get enough backlinks so that we can rank on the main keyword that we were targeting. So the goal is to rank. And that's the way you promote. That's how we approach creating the content too. There's yeah. research that goes into figuring out, yes, is this is a user need, but we also want to validate that it's going to drive some traffic. Yeah. If it's a top of funnel article. Yeah, definitely. Cool. I, I actually think, is there anything else I'm not asking you that you'd be like, you should know this when you start? I don't know. I feel like we we talked about a lot of things. I think I think the process is different for every person, but I think the main thing to keep in mind is not to try to find that like silver bullet tactic to that's gonna hit all of those goals, whether it's like getting a higher domain authority, getting lots of backlinks, getting conversions, because it doesn't exist and you're gonna waste your time. My whole thing is separate those goals and target them individually. Oh okay. Which is the content that converts more then for you? That content won't always we it's not always the same types of content. It depends on what the conversion goal is. We have what we refer to as inspirational content and actionable content. Actionable content is just more like how-tos that kind of includes a little bit of, uh, of us promoting the features as well. So how to make an infographic is obviously an article where we, it's a little bit more how-to, but we do also rank for that. So it, it does hit on both of those goals. And then we have content that's a little bit more targeted to a specific audience, right? Like consulting report templates or how to create an effective strategy mind map or like how to communicate your strategy. Those are a little bit more targeted where we may not be driving as much traffic, but it's a little bit more useful to the type of audience that we do want to help. We have inspirational content, which is a roundup of a bunch of different types of templates. Some of them are on our site. Some of them are just like examples. So it's 120 presentation design tips. Nice. And that will be like just a listicle of 120 different templates. And then people can just search through those. And for the most part, that converts well to a register because people will create the template. And then... Yeah. And I'm guessing then like within that somewhere is... Uh, here is Vengage, the template. Yeah, template. like a lot of them are, are the ones that we create and we'll, if we don't have them, we'll tell our design team, go create this. We'll just include it because it doesn't take them long to use the product to build it. And yeah, and so we can, we, we have a lot of control because our content is not just blog content. Our templates are content too, the way that page is structured. We have copy, optimized copy written on a very long tail basis that, that does rank for very specific targeted keywords. The whole site is optimized for SEO. If you go to like vengage.com slash templates and you just click into different categories and you pay attention to the URL structure, all of those it's a one it's a one page scroll but it's all optimized for a very long range of long tail keywords that i think our template page in itself has thousands and thousands of pages and then each page that you click into i think some of them might not be but some of the pages if you click the preview will take you to to an actual like individual page not all of them some of them are still modals but then that becomes yeah. another page that ranks like, the very long yeah. tail like i'm on online social event planning infographic template exactly like <laughs> you search for that keyword you'll find yeah. it 
Well, perfect. Thank you so much, Nadia, for coming to talk to me. I've learned a lot from you and I hope everyone listening has as well. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me.